Welcome to this episode of the Cool Tool Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Jeremy Shore. So, Jeremy, would you like to introduce yourself to our watchers and listeners? Sure. I'm I'm a, a longtime fan of the uh, of the show and the newsletter since like 2003 or something. And I currently work in STEM education, workforce, and workforce development as a consultant in, in those spaces. Maybe we'll hear about STEM later on, but um, Jeremy, I'm really, really delighted you're you're with us. I'm so looking forward to the tools you have to share. What's your first pick? What's number one? Uh, I've got to look at my list. Oh, my first. So I do a lot of work with with teams, uh, both virtually and in person, more virtually since COVID, but it's starting to go back in person. And these are teams of, of students and young people, teams of educators, uh, business and industry teams, diverse teams, all these different teams. And um, I like to have a couple of things in my back pocket when I'm doing design sessions with these groups. And my favorite are all of these decks of, uh, of cards that I've accumulated through the years. This isn't even all of them. I've got a Brian Eno's oblique strategies somewhere and a, and a few others. Uh, my go-to is, is always the innovative whack pack, which unfortunately is out of print and the, the creative. I've got this new guy, the storyteller tactics that I like a lot for uh, helping to write things like keynotes and speeches. But my favorite right now is this little set. And it's a, it's a small plastic box of, oh, two by two inch cards. Uh, the buy on Etsy. I think that's the only place that you can get them. Um, and they are called, um, oh man, why did I just totally draw a blank? It'll hit me in a second exactly what they're called. Um, but they're design thinking cards around experience. So the idea behind these is if you have a team working to solve uh-huh. some sort of problem, um, then they pull out these cards to give them different ideas of ways to think about things. So um, I'm just looking at a handful of these. There's deficit thinking and geography, linguistic hegemony, westernization, neocolonialism. So if you're thinking about a product, if you're thinking about um, a course for students, uh, you might grab the, the Westernization card. And this one says, you know, the West is often assumed to be the center of power and Western views on development and modern, uh, modernity often are pervasive in design analyses of problems. But how would your design concept change if you had to de-Westernize it by removing mm-hmm. these Western concepts? So this deck I like a lot because while all of these have good innovation strategies, uh, this is the first one I've saw, seen that's really focused on getting people to think outside of their own experiences in order to both create new solutions and to create solutions that are um, are applicable to, to a broader audience. Okay. Um, and, and so just explain a little bit more of how you actually use them. So you're in a group, you're doing some brainstorming or you're working on a project, maybe um, it's a design brief of some sort. You have your table with six people at it what do you do you 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 just randomly throw out one of these cards and see what it says and then everybody is going to do their version of it or do you give different cards to each person or how yeah kind of so they all of these decks have sort of instructions and every so often i follow them uh but (laughs) um, because if you follow them you know then you're sort of in the model of the deck and and i'm looking for the the model of the room so most of the time what i do kind of my go-to move is i'll take a deck like this I'll have uh, everybody in the group. I usually do this in one of two scenarios. Either a particular group is sort of stuck. um, They've hit a a roadblock. They're not agreeing. um, They can't come up with a solution. 
or they've gone so far either because they're really good or because uh, they're going to surface one way or the other. And they're, they're kind of quote done when the, when I'm not ready for them to be done. So in one of those two scenarios, I'll walk around, I'll grab one of these decks. You know, I might go a dozen times without pulling one of these out. I'm going to grab one of these decks. Usually what I do is have everybody at the table pull a card at random. Mm. They all read the cards. And then sort of as a group, I have them choose one or two of those cards to really dig into. I want to give them a little variety. I don't want them to be stuck on a certain concept. Um, But then there are also times, particularly with this deck, um, there are times that um, I'll be sort of listening and overhearing and, Mm -hmm. and I'll stack the deck a little bit. You know, I'll, I'll hear that uh, the solutions that they're creating are, are um, you know, very specific to a, a population. And, you know, I'll, uh, I'll still let them draw, you know, cards from the top at random, but yeah. I might throw one or two up there that, that I know are going to sort of spark some conversation, maybe a little disagreement and move them towards a, a more robust solution. Cool, cool. And um, do, you, do you ever find yourself using them or can you imagine... Yeah, yourself when you're alone, if you're working on something, or or is this really much more of a collaborative um, type of tool? Yeah, I I do personally use them uh, for a little bit, um, not quite the same reason, more just to to make sure that I'm thinking in ways um, that that I'm not sort of stuck in a rut, and that that's in particular to to these two decks, the two that I showed a second ago, the Roger Van Ork ones, the innovative and creative whackbacks, um, that really give me kind of just totally different ways to think about things. I know, um, I'm not with those tools what, uh, or those cards. What would an example of one of their cards be? Yeah, yeah. Um, so like I said, the, the innovative is my absolute favorite, and um, I'm just grabbing one at random. I hope it's a good one. Um, the one that I grabbed first, so it's a little bit larger card, and these ones have kind of interesting little pencil illustrations on the front and the uh-huh. title. This one says, Knowing Many Things Doesn't Teach Insight. And then the strategy on the back and gives a much longer strategy uh-huh. um, is practicing forgetting. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but it's got sort of a description. And then at the bottom of this one, it says, what would happen if you forgot the obvious answers that come to mind mm-hmm. and search for new ones? Where can you use your forgettery? Which I, I like that word. In that forgettery. Um, that's forgettery. that's uh, wonderful. I actually just did a slide deck last night for a talk I'm giving where I talked about forgetting, the importance of forgetting. I hadn't I love the bus out forgettery is just perfect. Yeah. And then the other one that I use, and this is a newer one. Uh, this is a new company they called Pip Decks. They have three or four. I only have the, they're kind of expensive. Unfortunately, these ones, these Pip Decks, Pip, I only have the Pip one. Pip Decks? P-I-P, yeah. Uh-huh. This one's called Storyteller Tactics. And it's exactly for that. I do a lot of keynoting and I, I host a lot of events. And when I host them, uh-huh. I often have to do either a keynote or kind of a series of mini things. And uh, sometimes I really want to structure, um, I, I try to tell all of those, those things through story, and I try to structure them differently. So um, this is kind of that sort of concept where it's a, it's a series of cards that are sort of problems and, a, and types of solutions, you know, hero's journey types of things, mm-hmm. and you draw them at random to kind of build a story for your mm-hmm. keynote, to build the way you're going to share the content. And that's called storytelling, what's it, what's it called? Storyteller Tactics. Storyteller Tactics, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know, I think I noticed in your pile, I, have a, I also have a pile of cards that have accumulated, including Brian Eno's Oblique Strategies, and my own version of oblique strategies as well. Um, have you thought about doing that of making your own cards? 
I do toy with it every so often, but but I now I want yours. You should sell them. <laughs> no, I don't want to sell it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not really into that. Although I made my um, my little bits of wisdom, maybe I should think about that doing uh, strategies. Uh, my- I, I like the the Eno deck. Um, it has to be the right people um, because it's so oblique. Yeah, um, that sometimes people have a hard time. You know. Um, wrapping their minds around what this, you know, clarinet strategy might mean to a, right. to a business yeah, plan like, or something else. Like do nothing in the middle. Okay, all right. What, what is right, right. Do nothing in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I have those more, uh, more as kind of proof of concept and a, and a shelf piece. I do use yeah. them, but but not as often as I use the rest of these. Right. Um, actually, someone just sent me a, a new deck of cards yesterday that he wanted to try out. Maybe I should open right now and we'll take a look at them. I haven't even opened the the case, but they're called visual frameworks. So we could, this is the first time for cool, cool show and tell <laughs> unboxing at the same time. <laughs> I love it. Um, this Dave I'm going to end up, you, you've made me a very poor man, unfortunately, because I'm going to end up buying these. Well, these aren't even available. This is a prototype. Um, oh. So don't worry. Um, this is Dave Gray, who did a couple books, Liminal Thinking. He's, um, Visual thinker, and um, I think he's t- saying that these were for. Um, I love the design. Look at that. Um, beautiful. They are a language of patterns, visual framework. So his idea is that there are patterns that you um, might want to play with. So I'm picking these at random like we're like one does and this says um two by two matrix a very standard consulting um pattern used if you're doing scenarios is you do a two by two every you know and so he's saying i guess he's saying what if um what if think about that pattern maybe you can use that pattern for something here's um oh a bottleneck's a pattern. Maybe you're in a bottleneck. Maybe that's a useful pattern. What's the next one here? Um, Altitude. Think about your altitude. So anyway, I have no idea where these are going to, but there they are. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to try them on. And I did remember the name; it, it did hit me. The the designer's critical alphabet. That's that first one okay. I was sharing. Okay. Designer's, designer's critical, critical alphabet. alphabet. Yep. And then they the same company has another deck that I don't own yet that I want called the Good Vibes deck. Um, which is sort of the opposite. It's uh, the the whole theory of the good vibes deck is that so many of these decks are around, you know, what are you doing wrong? How do you need to think differently? Uh And so this deck is around kind of finding and accentuating the things that are going really, really well in your project. I don't own that one yet. Yeah. Well, maybe we should have a whole thing on decks because I have a set, I have a dozen of them that, um, I wonder if you know about, um, since you seem to be, do, do you have others um, that you've enjoyed? I do. I, I don't know where they are right now because <laughs> uh, they're kind of scattered all throughout my uh, my little space down here. But yeah, I'm a, I've am i always been a sucker for these. I, I If I see one, I tend to buy it. Okay. Uh, and I tend to try it out with, with teams. Um, um, I'm not going to let this opportunity to go, so I'm going to grab some of them. And um, I have so many, and I'm just... Curious how well these are known. So there's the thing yeah, from the I future. Bet. Ooh. The thing from the future. This is sort of um um 
talking ways to do kind of um scenarios um mm. and they're they're um i actually don't know how how they work they they work they seem to be just a couple of words that um were prompts for for thinking about um what could be i don't find that useful there's seth godin's the practice deck I do not have his either. I have read about them, but I do not have that one. Seth Godin. So his are things like, um, you know, his usual lessons. Mistakes are fixable. Um, do they do they have more on the back, or is it just that phrase? That's it. That's just this, 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 all. So it's just kind of a good taste is a skill. Hmm. It's a little bit more like my my little bits of advice where you mm-hmm. kind of reminders. Chop wood and carry water. Um, I have no idea. Scarcity and creativity. So they're just kind of little, I would call them reminders. Anything? Like how you could still play a Euchre or something with those ones. Though. Yeah, they're actually a deck of cards. cards. <laughs> that might be kind of fun too. Where you're just... yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, this is actually one of my favorites. Um, the Art of Game Design. By 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 Jesse Shell, and it's the book. His book is just fabulous. It's about how to design games, but you, I realized there's really how to design life. Mm. And so he has these little, again, these are really huge cards. I don't really like the size of them, but um, um, he has little str- drawings, and there's uh, the lens of pleasure. Think about the kinds of pleasure your game does and does not provide. What's, you know, it's kind of like tickling. What are the actual pleasures that, that we're aiming at? Here's the lens. These He calls these lenses. The lens of flow. Consider what's holding your player's focus. Do my games have clear focus, clear goals? Anyway, so he's he's talking about games, but you can also just apply that to your life. That's what that's what I love. I, I love uh, things like that that are ostensibly for one purpose, but but really are much bigger than that. It always yeah. makes me think of that that book, Bird by Bird, right? You know, which is about writing, but it's right. not. Right. I'm not a writer. It's about life, and it's about managing, um, you know, uh, goals and expectations and all of that. And I, I I love that. But I just yeah. uh, I, uh, I started writing down in my little. I use these uh, old library card catalog uh, cards. <laughs> and, uh, I just oh, wrote down okay. three of those decks. I didn't want to. Sh- I didn't want to hijack. Our podcast, but I there aren't. This is the first time the cards came up. I'm so excited. There's someone else who, like me, appreciates them. So thank you for that. So, um, Jeremy, what's your your next um, tool that you want? Sure, to sure. Share? So first of all, Kevin Kelly, you uh, hijack as much as you want because this is my <laughs> one chance to hang out with Kevin Kelly. I, I, I'd rather listen to you and talk. So I don't. Okay. The listeners can figure it out. They right. can fast forward if they need to. Um, yeah, my next one is uh, is not a thing I can show because it's a it's a website, right. um, and the website is called Explore Classroom e x p l r dash classroom dot org, and there's a home version as well. And I mentioned this one, um, and I and I do have a, a minor disclosure with it. I mentioned this one because um, I do a lot of work in schools. Prior to my consulting work, which I've been doing for eight years, I was in different leadership roles in schools for sixteen years. And I'm really deeply of the of the belief system that almost every product out there for education, hardware, software, and content is is garbage and a waste of money. 
um, and that you're better off giving your teachers extra money to build and design their own things. But there are exceptions. There's a, a small number, maybe a dozen exceptions out there. And one of those is this website, Explore. Uh, the, the disclosure is I don't work for them. I don't have anything along those lines, but I do know uh, the two co-founders. You actually, I think, know one of the two co-founders because uh, it's, uh, it's uh, my friend uh, Jenny Bucos and uh, Carrie Byron from Mythbusters, mm -hmm. uh, my friend Carrie. So the two of them created this platform and it is uh, STEM video content for kids, um, but it's at an incredibly highly produced level. It is so much more engaging, so much better, so much deeper than any other media content targeted towards kids around science and technology and engineering than anything else I've ever seen has really wonderful lesson plans that aren't about, you know, show this video, which, which anybody can do, but rather they're about um, the UN sustainability goals and global competencies. Uh, how do we prepare young people to really think and do? Um, and they solve this problem in schools, which is even educators who have the, the, the skill and the motivation to develop kind of really good hooks to get kids excited about, you know, let's say plastics. Um, they don't often have the time. So these videos are uh, really quick. They're, they're, you know, in each series, uh, there's maybe three videos. Um, so the first one, you know, using plastics as an example, sort of gives, you know, the history of plastics, why they're important, why they're critical, what we've been able to do because of plastics. It's not all, you know, bad. Uh, the second one gets into the science and has some experimentation. And then the third, which is what I really love about most of these videos, is that they're really focused on then taking knowledge and turning it into action. Because what we know about, unfortunately, most schools is that there's a lot of, um, you know, I'm going to tell you some facts, you're going to tell those facts back to me, and then we're never really going to talk about those facts again, school. And that's, uh, you know, why we have issues with um, young people being able to creatively problem solve. Uh, with them being excited about school. So the, the, the end cap in each of these little segments is how can we take this new knowledge and turn it into action to make our school, our city, our state, our country, the world better, cleaner, more efficient, happier, um, and to, to really solve those big grand challenges. So um, you don't know me well enough to do this. People who do know me know that it's really rare for me to say, I think this is worth a school spending money on. Um, there's again, maybe a dozen things or so, and this is one of them. So, so let's say, um, you're in a little town somewhere and you want your school to participate in this. Um, what does the school have to do? Um, how much does it cost mm -hmm. and what actually are they, are they getting? If I'm, if I'm going to pitch it to my school board or whatever, what what do I say? What's the pitch? Yeah, yeah. In, in, in so a, the the default cost is I and and I might have this wrong, but but I'm in the ballpark. It's I think three hundred ninety nine bucks a classroom a year, and then that goes down pretty precipitously when you start talking about grade levels or buildings or districts. Right. So um, somewhere in that neighborhood so for like all the kids, four hundred dollars a year, and for the four hundred dollars, what do they get? They get uh, hundreds and hundreds and growing of these incredibly high quality uh, video assets um, okay. on a wide variety of topics that you can search for, you know, by standard and, you know, things of that nature. If you know how to use, if you've ever used uh, something, a little uh, poorly known company called uh, Netflix um, or Hulu, if you've used a platform like that, you can do it. Um, kids can engage in it. Kids all get their own accounts as well as part of this so that they can right, look right. through. I caught my daughter the other day watching a video 
video, um, you know, around kind of whether or not you can remain friends. She's, you know, in seventh grade, she's going to kill me for saying this. Uh, seventh grade, she recently, you know, broke up with her first boyfriend. And there's this video about can you remain friends with somebody you broke up with? Okay. Uh, but it gets into sort of the brain science behind it and and why okay. it's difficult and how you can overcome those feelings of difficulty okay. and move into this other space. Uh, so there's really, really wide variety of, of topics, plus all the lesson plans and, and uh, you know, downloadable resources right. and, and things like so, that. So technically, is this a browser-based thing or is it more like Netflix where it's just a stream of proprietary stream? So it's it's sort of both, again, kind of like Netflix. You can just browse it and right, stream right. all the videos, but you also can download the videos locally for people who don't have internet access at, right. at and all. So, and so it's not public-facing in the sense that you have to have a subscription to it to to access it there's a number of videos uh that are free and that they sort of rotate some so people okay. can kind of experiment and and try but yeah the bulk of them are are behind a paywall yes. and it's a little bit like i mean it's in the same ballpark as the khan academy um encyclopedia of of videos that they have for for teaching but this yeah and um you know sal probably get mad at me for saying this but the you know the the problem that i have is khan academy is kind of boring at times it is a person standing at a whiteboard talking mm -hmm. and i there are scenarios where that's wonderful students who don't have access to teachers students who need to shore up skills all of those things what i'm really focused on is in the classroom you've got a great teacher you've got someone who you're making that connection with and you're getting your main core knowledge from that teacher but how do I get you excited about learning right, something right. that on its surface doesn't maybe sound right, super right. exciting? So one of the things I know about schooling is that there's no perfect school, no perfect uh, formula that you, you basically, as parents, you're having to compensate for whatever, whatever is the main event. You're compensating it in some ways. Like, you know, so if it's uh, if you're homeschooling, you've got to compensate in some of the social aspects of it. If you're public schooling, you might need to complement some of the academics. So um, is there a, a, a provision or, or is this recommended for like homeschoolers or, or people who just they're in school, but it's not the main thing. It's just something you're supplemental. Do, do parents do that? Yeah, so uh, that's not really my world in general. I'm I'm more focused on on the in classroom stuff, but I, I do have friends and colleagues who are, um, you know, are homeschool families or who yeah. uh, work with homeschool families. And absolutely, there's a I um I might have the URL wrong. Instead of exploreclassroom.org, it's I want to say explorehome.org. Okay, same type of thing. Um, so, you know, I, I can say my, my niece and nephew aren't homeschooled, but they have access because my sister, you know, liked the product and yeah, you know, yeah. it comes from education sure. as well, purchased it and, and they use it during the summer or, or just to right. kind of, uh, flip through. And finally, is, is it decidedly, um, kid based or is it something that adults would find equal, equally, uh, interesting and useful? I think adults would find it equally interesting, probably not useful. It is if you when you watch it, um, you'll see, you know, some of the, the, the segments are hosted by by Carrie, uh, but a number of them are hosted by other people who are um, kind of younger uh, STEM and science mm -hmm. influencer type people okay. um, who sort of uh, speak to, you know, a 13 to 18 year old, because that's a big part of it, that, that getting kids excited is the biggest part. 
And that's a that's a different way of of speaking and displaying information to get a 14 year old or a 16 year old excited than it is to get a you know a 44 year old like me. Yeah. Okay. And uh, spell that once more one more time. Just we'll have yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Uh, it's yeah. explore e x p l r dash classroom. Right. So there's no vowel at the end. Um, okay. Explore. So. Um, yeah, that's that's great because I I, I do th- I, I well we can go on to this in terms of of educational um, strategies, but I do think that there's going to be more. Well, I mean, say I think the video aspects of YouTube is completely a hundred percent underrated and underappreciated for the the way in which is accelerated learning, and not just for people like myself, but even for kids who are just going to it to learn everything. And I think the more options we have in that direction, the better, because um, over time, I think it's going to have an, a, a compounding effect on our culture is um, being able to kind of learn at on demand, at will, at your own speed. Um, it's, just, it's just unheralded and unappreciated to how, how important it is. And, this and, is and it's about access it. too. Um, yeah. You know, there, there was a recent series uh, that um, that they did that Carrie did um, with Macy's around how they design and build those giant balloons. Right. Well, we can talk about that in a classroom. Maybe a small number of schools in New York might be right. able to go see the facility, but in general, you can only visualize it in your head. You sure. can't go see it. Uh, the only way for you to see it is through through something like a video asset. Yeah, yeah, and then. Coming soon, we'll be able to watch that in any language. We'll have you know real time language translators, which will allow somebody in Jakarta to you know a kid to watch it who doesn't have English skills to watch it in their local you know native language. So that's that's wonderful. So thank you for that. That's really great. So um, Jeremy, what about um, tool number three? So again, tool number three, I, I've got, it's a category, but I'm just going to show one. It's, I spend a lot of time on the road. Um, I spend a lot of time when I'm not on the road, really trying to think about, uh, cause I hate traveling, but it's just a part of my job, how I can make my life less miserable. Um, and so I've, I've got a bunch of things that I went between. I, I really love, uh, Elgato's new portable key light for, uh, video conferencing on the road. Um, the, uh, the well, Airfly hey, Duo, hey, I love. Hey, we're going too fast here. So I, I was just skipping through them. I can tell them if you want well, me to. Give me one more sentence. Um, so okay. that light you hang up that you're using that for what? So when I do, when I do a session like this, but I'm right. on the road right now, I'm in my studio. So I've got, you know, four lights and three cameras and green screen and soundboards and microphones and all that stuff. When I'm on the road, I, I don't travel with all of that. So this is a uh, by Elgato, the same people that make uh, the rest of my lights, um, an incredibly bright key light uh, with a magnetized back. So it'll stick right on, you know, the, the little metal hutch on the hotel desk or whatever. Um, or, or you prop it, and it gives me the right lighting so that I can look, um, okay. you know, as, as clean as possible. So it's a lightweight stage light, sort of, if you mm-hmm. want to say, to light yourself while you're zooming or, or recording something. Okay, I got that. Okay, good. The next one. The next one uh, of my of my facets, and I'll do, do my real yeah, one, yeah. is the uh, the Airfly Duo, um, which is, uh, you know, again, wait, wait. this is just a... So, so uh, um, to our listeners... Oh, sorry. First light that he held up was about the size of a paperback book. 
and that was the the portable LED Delgado uh, key light. Right. This one, it looks like. How would you? This was sort of a little. Oh, it's about a half inch by an inch and a half little piece of plastic with a built-in eighth-inch jack. Um, and what this is for is to plug into the seatback TV on the airplane, so that I can use my wireless headphones on the plane. And while that might seem a little oh, silly and redundant, okay, wait. it is really really great to not have to worry about unplugging when someone needs to get out okay. or leaning back and not having the right cord or bringing a cord at all who carries a, a cord with their headphones right, right. anymore okay so, uh, so this is connected to both my um uh, my airpods and my uh bose uh uh over right. ear headphones and it's called the duo this one because it can actually connect to two sets of headphones at once so that if I'm traveling with my wife, we can plug it into one TV, we can both connect our headphones, and we can use our wireless headphones. Um, but so, the real one wait, that so, I want to... So again, oh, slowing yeah. down, so it's, it's this little thing that fits in your palm, It's and and you plug it into the, the it's a USB port? What What's the port? Uh, there is a USB version, but but the one that I have is just an eighth-inch jack. Like oh, it's like the audio jack. jack. Yep. Oh, okay, so wherever there's an audio jack, the little eighth-inch audio jack, this goes in and then it transmits to your AirPods or any other wireless headphone. Yeah, anything that doesn't have Bluetooth, it basically gives it Bluetooth audio. That That's kind of the, the purpose of this. So those seatback TVs on the back of my Delta right. plane um, don't have Bluetooth. I, I don't know why. It seems like a thing they should have added right. by now. Uh, but this solves that problem and lets me just kind of jack this in and then connect to my headphones wow okay that's great okay i love that that's one i need right now and that's called the duo what's the, oh, the duo? airfly a-i-r-f uh i can't what do you stuff. think it runs for approximately oh let's find out um while i'm uh finding that out um uh the other uh 55 bucks it looks like okay on Amazon. It's a company called 12 South makes them. I, I, I bought all mine directly from 12 South and they have a number of other nice little okay. travel products, but. Okay. And then my, uh, my really favorite, which is, is just not sexy, but I don't care is <laughs> um, this new generation of GAN USB uh, charging. Rigs. Like the anchor. The anchors, this brand, I I'm a big fan of anchor. They're yeah. very reliable. They're comparatively inexpensive, but the reason why I like this one is that it's one single brick that has one USB, a three USB C's, um, hundred Watts of, of, uh, of power on, on the center one there. So I can, with this one plug in, you know, my iPad, my AirPods, my watch, my laptop, all of those things, um, from anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I do is because I have extra cables, if I'm in an airport, and it's an airport that doesn't have a, a lounge where there's lots of, of power and all the power is taken. I just go up to somebody who's already using the power and I say, would you mind if we plugged mine in instead and you can just <laughs> jack into there? Um, so it gets me that power back. But I'm also a one bag traveler. So, uh, you know, a, a single brick that, that covers everything really makes a big difference. So what is, is there a uh, easily legible model number on that that you can recite to us? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's the GAN prime series, G A N P R I M E GAN prime from anchor. Um, I don't remember it, but it's a, it's an airplane number. It's like seven thirty seven. Right. Uh, the idea is it has, uh, four, four slots in total. Yes. Uh, it's the seven thirty seven. No, I'm sorry. Seven forty seven. Seven hundred and fifty watt USB-C charger anchor seven forty seven. Okay. 
That's so it great. fast charges everything, which I love too. You know, sometimes you've got 20 minutes at the airport and that's enough these days to get your, your iPhone from almost dead to like 70%. Right. Um, right. If you have a fast charger. Right. Well, thanks for that. Um, that's a great, a great travel trip. Um, so, uh, so Jeremy, how about your, your fourth, uh, your fourth pick? So my fourth, I, I mentioned before that I'm in my little home studio here. Um, I have a lot of things that I love. I, I love this microphone, um, all sorts of things. But my favorite, because it solves a really long-standing, I'm a Mac guy, uh, Mac problem, is the new, and I'm going to see if I can hold it up, but it's plugged in, the new Stream Deck, the Stream Deck Plus. Um, okay, so he's which, holding up a little console that has about eight, eight little... Um, tiny square screens on it and some knobs, some physical knobbies. And that's, um, and that's why it's exciting. So uh, people have heard of Stream Decks. They've been around for a while. OLED uh, buttons that you can program to do almost anything. So, you know, these program the lights down here and all, all sorts of things, um, sound effects and video effects and all those things if I need them. But the knobs are what's exciting, not only because, you know, sometimes you just want a knob, you know, so I have one of these adjusted to uh, the brightness on my key light here. So you can see yeah, me getting yeah. darker uh -huh. as I adjust it. But because it solves this problem, uh, Windows machines don't have this problem. And that is uh, an external third party device that allows you to control the audio on individual applications that are running. You can do that in a Windows machine with no issue. You can't do that on a Mac on a, on a Mac and, and Mac OS. Um, it's just not a thing they allow. Well, there's an app. It's called Sound Splash. Let's see. I have it that does allow you to do that. Um, it is... Uh, um, so there is an app that you can install, and it goes into your into the the depths of your um, computer sound machine board, whatever the thing is, to to do that. And you have complete control over each app and and the sound. Um, so there is a software version, anyway. And and that's and so this uses a piece of software um, called um, uh, Wavelink. Okay. Uh, I got a Wavelink. And then it, it allows you to map those mappings to these dials. Right. So okay. I do a lot, you know, if I'm, um, I like to run music as people are sort of filtering in mm. um, and it's kind of loud. If, if I'm doing a virtual thing, uh, it's kind of loud and people come in because I like loud music. And as I start talking, I can, uh, you know, real nicely and slowly uh, use that dial to just mm. turn down the music so that it's uh, either all the way off, but a nice fade or quiet. And then I use a, another piece of, the software on my iPad to um, and a uh, uh, um, a tractor control Z1 over here that uses uh, some mediocre AI to take the lyrics out of music live so that I can wow. sort of just fade out the lyrics and keep the music going as background music without words and then bring those lyrics back in as um, uh, okay. you know, as, as the data so slow down for this one. Um, so there's an AI filter that will filter out lyrics from music in real time in real time and like i said it's only okay you know if there's a if there's uh, a trumpet line that's uh that's uh real similar in in pitch uh, to voices sometimes that trumpet will disappear if you turn it up loud you can kind of muffle yeah yeah uh, you know, wow, that's lyrics, really but it works enough will it be perfect if you gave it time if you didn't have it real time could it could it would it do a better job 
what I have doesn't, and to do that, you can, you know, you can do some things with stems, but then you're, you have to, you know, buy really expensive versions of the music and, and, it, and it's a whole thing. Um, I do think in this is, uh, you know, if I had submitted to, to talk to you a month ago, we'd be talking about half the day um, about AI, because uh, right. it's kind of right. all I do and think about these days. Um, we're really, really close to, to tools that will do it perfectly and in real time. You know, you mentioned language. I've been dreaming about the babble fish since I was sure, seven, sure. Um, and we're we're super right. well, close. And I'm very I, excited. I, no, I had not thought about that. That was going to be um, one of the first things done, but that makes perfect sense. Anyway, so what's the app that you use for the uh, uh, lyrics filtering? You know, these are things that you would think that I would just know off the top of my head. I tell you what I'll do. I'll figure it out. You can okay. drop it in the show notes. You put it in the show notes. We'll list it. I think that's something really cool. Um, and um, it sounds like you have kind of like when you're doing these events or gatherings, whatever it is, that you're kind of the, instead of having a whole AV crew, you've got you and your your stream box here, whatever it is. You know, when, I, when I'm live, I, I've, if it's in an event, there's there's a team, there's an AV team that, that works on this stuff. When I'm down here in my basement, it's just me. <laughs> um, especially, you know, this all happened. I didn't do a lot of virtual until COVID. Sure. Um, when everything switched virtual. And then I quickly discovered that, you know, a lot of people were doing this virtual work um, and there was less work to be done. So I had to figure out ways to, to really differentiate myself from everybody else. And those ways were, you know, much fancier cameras and lighting and mm -hmm. sound and all of those things so that things just looked cleaner and clearer. Um, and so I, I invested a lot, a lot of time early COVID figuring all this out. And, uh, and I've just stuck with it because I've got it. So I may as well. Or my last guest uh, in in this podcast was also a presenter type you, and he um, had the the teleprompter camera, so you can have absolute dead center eye contact, and that really works flawlessly. Matt Mullenweg told me um, about his system about doing that. Um, I think that's still uh, one of the best things to do when you are um, trying to do these kinds of things. Um, and and there's the another podcast guest told me about center cam, which I haven't yet got, but I want to try out. It's a little tiny microscopic webcam that hangs down your from your monitor top, right in the center of the screen. I've played around with those. My I use a a, a mirrorless camera to to get uh you know, and so if I had that hanging down, it'd take up you know forty percent of my screen. Right, 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 right. So you need the teleprompter version. I do. Yeah. Um, and Matt travels with his, so you can check out his, um, his description about what he, what he does because they're, they're he has thousands of employees and they're hundred percent remote. There's no headquarters. So every, their entire company is run this way. So he's doing this on the road as well, which is oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I do. I run, um, I have a TV sort of behind my camera that right now is running my favorite Raspberry Pi project, which is called Dackboard. But I do sometimes um, mirror my video there and raise my camera up right, so right, that right, it right. sort of has the, uh, a similar effect. Right, right, right. Well, this has really been fantastic. Thank you for all these fantastic suggestions. And um, we have a couple of minutes. Maybe you can share something that you want our listeners to know about what you're thinking, what you're doing, what you're passionate about, what excites you these days? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a couple things. So um, I, I'm incredibly focused on on uh, artificial intelligence right now, um, primarily because 
I, I, I've never felt so confident about a prediction in my life. And that prediction is that I, I truly think we're on the precipice of the largest upheaval in education, workforce and workforce development in the history of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, things that, you know, make the industrial revolution look like, uh, you know, a blip. Um, and the best way that we can end up with the good reality, because I think there's a branching path happening right now, and it could go to a very good reality and a very bad reality. Mm-hmm. And the way to the good one is through education. Um, a lot of that work. So I'm a freelance consultant, but I do uh, uh, the majority of my work through an organization called the Teaching Institute for Excellence in STEM, TIES, which is, uh, I think, TIESteach.org. And they run, and, and I work a lot on an organization, a separate organization called the STEM Learning Ecosystems Community of Practice, which is a very wordy name, uh, but it's a series of, uh, of 111 uh, organizations around the world and growing that bring together K-12 education, higher ed, business and industry, funders and foundations, out-of-school time people, and government to sort of determine in a region what the workforce needs are, what the STEM education needs are, and then kind of figure out what they can do together that they couldn't possibly do otherwise. Um, so, you know, what what can K-12 school and, you know, a, a Fortune 100 company um, and a community college create for a region to solve problems that couldn't be done in some other way? That's uh, stemecosystems.org. Um, that's where I spend most of my time, and, and it allows me the latitude to kind of dig into all the stuff we've been talking about, all of this, the, the passion I have for design and for new tools, you know, high-tech and low-tech, pencils too, um, and, uh, and really think about the ways that, that we can make a difference for, you know, our, our states and regions, the, the country, the world, um, and, and young people, and prepare them for this, this incredibly uncertain future that we're about to hit. Well, that's really, um, yeah, commendable work. I, I admire what you're doing there. I think it's, as I agree, 100%, totally necessary and ripe for for innovation. Um, and, you know, I, I think education is really the only way we're going to get the good scenario with AI. And I, of course, education, I use it broadly, meaning not just in the classrooms. Oh yeah, me too. Mostly not in the classrooms, but um, and this goes back to the YouTube um, role and Khan Academy and all the ones that you explore that you're mentioning. Those are the, those are going to play a huge effect in this. Um, so thank you, Jeremy. This has really been delightful. It was fun to play with you, uh, indulging my my own fascination with cards. Uh, strategy cards and other things um, and the tech. So I, I appreciate your your coming on and sharing your time with us. It was a, a complete honor. And if, and if you ever want to have a whole round table around cards, <laughs> I'm in. We could, uh, we could do a whole Or thing. other tools for teaching as well. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old, which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going, and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year, and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast, 
and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um, please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show. Um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four, four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. Um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the U.S., although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a longtime listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something you use to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you.